Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. I am your host, Jay Friedman, and joining me again tonight is the legend himself, the Fulham Flyer, the Courtney Dahlwalter to my Courtney Cox, Phil Vondra. Welcome back. Howdy you all, as they say in Wyoming, as I'm fresh back from the West Coast. Welcome back. It is good to have you home on the Beast Coast. Phil is nice to be here. Fresh returned from his epic run at the Bighorn 100, which we're going to get into in just a second. Before we do, this is once again the latest installment of this month in ultra running. We're going to call this one for ultra geeks only because it's not even a month since our last podcast, but we did want to get an episode out uh, in advance of the big show this weekend. Before we get into that, Phil, tell us what we're drinking tonight. Well, this is the uh, the sponsor of the Big Horn, or one of the sponsors of the Big Horn 100. Uh, it's a Black Tooth Brewing. It's uh, an IPA. It's called Hot Streak, uh, and it's a West Coast style IPA. So, pretty okay. good stuff. So, I'm going to crack this open for us. Ah, there we go. I had an East Coast IPA last night and West Coast IPA tonight. Thank you. That's a very happy pour. Look at you, Mister International, Mister Jet Set. Well, something like that. You get around. Indeed. L'chaim. Cheers. So, Bighorn 100, Phil, before we get into previewing the comings of this weekend, everyone wants to hear about your rather epic trip out this this past weekend. How'd it go? Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Um, it's an absolutely stunning area, I'd say that. I mean, it's so, so amazingly beautiful. Um, started off the race a little overcast wasn't really predicted to be that much chance of rain but uh, once we were probably I don't know 12 miles into it it started to rain and once the rain hit just the mud on the course I mean it it was only a little bit of rain to start with then it went really really muddy Uh, I mean some of it was so hard to run in it was slip sliding all over the place Um, and after the rain then we got uh, a pretty solid hailstorm came in which was kind of fun and then after that, you know, once it got dark and we got some thunder and we got some lightning and a little bit more hail and something that kind of might have been verging on snow coming down. Um, but Seriously? You know, yeah, it was it was wild weather. Was I mean, it we that cold? Up at the top at the Jaws aid station, which is a turnaround. Right. Um, I was told it was 30 degrees up there. Oh, so God. it was pretty chilly. Yeah. Um, but all the aid stations are amazing. Um, very, very like amazing course, good single track, some kind of like rough kind of roads to run on. Um, you know, overall it was a very tough experience, but a very good experience. How did you manage with like gear and drop bags and everything with those changing kind of conditions? Drop bags were good, difficult to kind of regulate temperature. I'd rather run on the cold side than on the warm side. Right. Um, I think most people are like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a, a good rain jacket with me, which was good when I was climbing up to the, to the turnaround, which gets up to almost 9,000 feet. So as I got higher up, I put the jacket on, uh, put a buff on, had gloves, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, temperature regulation was fine. I mean, the, the hardest thing was just regulating, not falling on my ass in the mud. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. I was running with Brian, our mutual friend and training partner the other day who just left today. We, we ran the other day before he took off for squad this weekend and he had obviously run at bighorn last year for those of you who are new to the the show actually i think you go back to uh, episode number one i think we talk about brian's run at bighorn but he was saying i mean they had similar conditions last year with a lot of rain a lot of mud and he was saying it was basically like 
the mud was just so thick that you'd have to take a few steps and then just kind of jump off the trail into the brush and run through the brush a little yeah. bit just to get the mud off your shoes before yeah. you could get I mean, back on the trail. I couldn't get the mud off my shoes. Yeah. I think I ran with probably three pounds of mud attached to my, my legs. Mm. Um, it was it was really bad. I mean, really, really hard. And there was, you know, very few breaks in it. You'd get the mud off a, a little bit and then you'd, you know, 20 meters later, the mud would be back on your shoes. Right. Uh, eventually, I just kind of gave up and just, you know, just shuffled through and did the best I could. Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it is a great course. I mean, imagine if you get good weather there, mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, stunning all the way. But I had a great time. I mean, the organization is amazing. Aid stations are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely go back. Do you use um, poles? I did use poles. I picked poles up at the turnaround. Okay. Um, I kind of wish I'd had them maybe before that. Okay. Um, you know, they're as useful going uphill as they are, you know, they're useful going downhill as well. So right. sliding on your ass. I mean, right. coming up one of the climbs called the wall, it was so muddy and so slippy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would have got up it without poles. Wow. I mean, you would have been pulling on roots. I mean, you would have been kind of Catskill style. Right. right. Um, it was, yeah, it was, in, it was interesting. And, you know, I'm pretty happy with my race in the end. Now, so, yeah, you went out, you, your goal was about 10 to 10.30 for the first half, and yep. I think you, you hit the turn right around 11, yep. which for the conditions seemed pretty, yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. And you were watching the split. I mean, from what tra- tracking we could get online, you were kind of moving up through the field for pretty much most of the way. I mean, you're at the first checkpoint, which was about 15 miles in, you were in like the 50s place-wise, and by the turn, you were up into like the low 40s or high 30s. But one thing I noticed from what what information we could get was you were taking a ton of time in the aid stations it seemed like yeah i people were very sociable there right and um you know i kind of just decided once i saw the mud and i realized i wasn't gonna have a really fast day right i kind of decided to enjoy myself a little right. bit and i chatted to people in the aid stations really really nice i mean most of the people there were locals you know tell me about the history of the area. They grew up in the canyons. So I was kind of enjoying myself. I sit down, you know, almost every aid station right. has a fire. Right. Which is just, you know, this lovely, warm, crackling <laughs> fire with a seat next to it and a, and a chicken soup. Okay. You know, it's fantastic. Uh, just hanging out with these people. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I probably could have easily shaved 45 minutes in being less was, social. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, after the first aid station that they had splits on, which you were in and out, after that, right, it was 10 to 12 minutes pretty much every time. Yeah. I, I had Rick's voice echoing through my head. You can't make love to the aid stations. I know. I know. I was. <laughs> I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Though. Yeah. It was worth it. And well, the interesting um, thing, too, was it didn't look like you were losing any ground place-wise. You were yeah. in there for 10 minutes, and you'd come out two or three spots higher than you had gone in. Yeah. I think a lot of people were taking their time <laughs> in the aid station because, you know, you had a lot of decisions to make. There was like, do I change my shoes? Do I change my socks? Everything was caked in mud. It's like, mm-hmm. what do I need for layers? How's the temperature going to change? Right. You know, right. You, need, you need to kind of factor a lot of things, especially with a storm coming through and hail coming down. I mean, who knows how the temperature drops? You know, it was a lot of like... Um, organizational things to be on top of and right. it's quite a good distance between drop bags so yeah. if you forget something or don't have it you're out there you know you need to carry more than you need really i mean there's no mandatory gear but i definitely made sure that i had everything i needed when i left the aid stations right. and you didn't have a crew um, or a pacer who was no going no to keep an eye on you or anything yeah, like that, and that you, you had to would have been helpful i mean definitely helpful yeah. but it was it was fine i mean i chatted to other runners mm-hmm. um and all the aid station people were great um, you know, it was, it was, was good. How did it feel physically? Um, you know, the altitude got to me a little bit on the first climb. It's quite a big climb mm-hmm. out of the, uh, the, the initial canyon where you start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got to dry fork and I was, I was a little like crampy in my glutes and my hamstrings. It was a weird kind of feeling, a little bit dizzy. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I kind of got running from there, 
heading off towards the uh, footbridge aid station mm-hmm. um, I started to feel feel better you know it's kind of a little bit more rolling definitely started to walk the uphills pretty early on uh, you know jogging the flats and running the downhills mm-hmm. got you know a decent rhythm going uh, it wasn't really until I started descending the wall as they call it down mm-hmm. into the footbridge where it was really these crazy like muddy steps and they were they were kind of these uh, big dents in them, I guess, so they ride horses around there. Okay. And uh, in those, it'd be like a pool of, of water, and then there'll be, you know, a ton of, like, these chickpea-sized hailstones just in there. Okay. You know, nice if it was a martini, but not for if you're running, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was It was a little bit of an epic, and I, I enjoy that when I go out for, a, you know, a 100-mile or any ultramarathon. It's yeah. fun to have these crazy conditions. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, you and I are – you know, different backgrounds and different runners for sure. Uh, and I've, you know, your ability to remain focused and positive has always kind of impressed me. Like, I, I feel like once, once I threw the time goal or the place goal out the window, I feel like I would just kind of be like almost resentful or you, you, you never seem to really struggle mentally. Yeah. The, I had my, I had a low point at about 20 miles when I thought, you know what, this isn't my day. I don't feel great. I right. think you got to me a little bit off the start. Right. Um, and I thought maybe I'll just drop at Footbridge, you know, 33 miles in, didn't like the mud, wasn't going to be my day. Right. Got into Footbridge, met the aid station captain, Jody Mosley, who's really, really nice, who had a chat with her, sat down, ate some food, drank a bit, mm-hmm. uh, just gathered up some gear. And, you know, I was like, I'll just go up to the turnaround, see how I feel. I got going. I actually felt the best I felt in the race. Oh, okay. Moving slightly uphill through more rocky terrain now, which was a little nicer underfoot. You know, no more big mud clumps. Right. And, and you've been training the cats a lot. Yeah. So you've been on that, that kind point, of terrain. And Yeah. I'd adjusted my goals a bit based off the conditions. Sure. And there was no way I was going to drop then. You know, I was like, no, I'm I'm through the worst of it now. I'll just keep going. Well, you won't have another low. And it was good. It just kind of kept cruising, you know, just kept being you know, mentally strong, enjoying it. And uh, yeah, just kept kept kind of pushing. I was just reading an article that Andy Jones Wilkins, or a blog post he had put on, I think the Carmichael blog, about like the three tricks he uses or would use when he was being competitive about how to work through kind of down periods or what to, what you know, his, his self-talk for when he felt like he was ready to drop. And he said that the three steps he would go through was one, everyone else hurts too. Two was he would remind himself uh, how much like training and everything had gone into it. And then the third one was, I think he just was like, you know, you came all this way. It's just gonna be like a waste of time and money to stop now or like you can disappoint everybody. I mean, do you have those kind of thoughts yourself or do you yeah, never even really I, get to I that point? I think my, my, you know, I obviously put a lot of training into it and we'd had a great vacation in Yellowstone and Grand Teton. I thought if I finish this race, this is just gonna like, cap this vacation off it's gonna be absolutely fantastic right the kids are gonna be so happy see me come running into the finish line and you know i kind of decided that like i wanted to run this race whether i was running at my goal pace or not my goal pace to be patient you know it's a hundred mile race it doesn't happen like a 5k you know it takes a long time you know it's like uh, 10 miles to go to the finish it's still quite a long way when Mm -hmm. you're not moving that fast and Mm -hmm. i was like i know i want it to be over i know i want to get to that finish line but just be patient deal with situations that are happening right now Mm -hmm. you know just deal with it mile by mile aid station to aid station you you can't rush this kind of thing uh and that really was my mantra is just patience Mm -hmm. just it's not going to happen quickly but it will happen um so just you know remain focused on individual every situation that you're dealing with now whether 
you know, you've got chafing, your feet hurt, you're hungry, you're dehydrated, mm-hmm. you know, figure out what you need at the aid station, etc. Uh, you know, the stuff you're carrying with you. But, you know, it will come to an end. Just keep moving forward. Just do the best you can. Mm-hmm. Don't panic. Don't rush. It will, it will happen. The two kind of training aids or ergonomic aids that you had, aside from just training hard, going into this were the altitude tent, which you needed yes. to deal with the altitude, and the other one was a weight vest, which was a yeah. kind of a new thing. Tell us a little bit about how you thought those things went and yep. were they useful? I thought the altitude tent gave me a good start to my preparation. It meant that when I got there, I didn't really feel kind of out of breath. I mean, we kind mm-hmm. of stayed in Cheyenne, which was just over 6,000 feet the okay. first night and we got there. And then we were, the second night, we were probably up to about 7,000 and you were out there about and a, I felt you were out there about a week before the about race, a week right? before yeah. yeah and so I felt I felt pretty good I slept really well mm-hmm. I was sleeping well in the altitude tent um, so that definitely helped my preparation mm-hmm. um, and the weight vest I thought was good I mean the weight vest just allowed me to like hike fast you know I mean on on right. the flat when the trail was decent I could I could easily hike at a 15 16 minute mile pace right you know and that felt good to be able to do that right you know because that's you know if you can start doing four miles an hour close to four miles an hour you're starting yeah, to you're ma- take off some chunks of right. covering some ground yeah which, um, which and i felt strong you know on all the climbs i felt i felt good mm-hmm. i didn't feel like super fast but i never felt like i needed to stop and take a rest i was out of breath mm-hmm. i think that really helped um, and my back was tired at the end, but during the race, I felt, I felt physically good and I'd had some problems with getting a tired back during races, you know, just getting a backache, right. but it felt good. Especially with a vest or a, or a yeah, pack or something. I think the, I think the, the weight vest had helped with that as well. I mean, yeah. and you know, when I was using it, it never really felt like training. You know, I'd take right. the dog and for a walk we should up be on clear, the trails. Right. We should be clear you weren't running with it. No, I didn't not, run with it. No. Uh, suggesting that people run with an extra 20 pounds or whatever yeah. because that's kind of a surefire way to injure yourself. Yeah, but you were definitely. you were doing... Just, just taking a dog walk, for a walk. Right, or, or, hiking or hiking uphill or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so some flat hiking, but mostly mostly uphill, not fast, but just, you know, time on your feet with mm-hmm. the extra weight. It mm-hmm. felt... It, I, I think it made a, a big Noticeable difference. difference. Yeah. And it didn't tax my body at all in terms of like afterwards I felt like I needed extra rest it was right. just it actually felt good taking it off felt pretty springy right you know I felt like I could do a few hill sprints now is it something that you would use again for a non-mountainous race or something that you would reserve for something where you have like big climbs and such only for I mean probably pretty much for any trail race I use it because there's always an element of climbing sure you know? Sure. Um, so I, I, I use, I mean, if I was doing the New York marathon, I wouldn't bother with it, right. but, uh, certainly any trail race with some elevation, I would use it. It's an interesting, yeah, uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Cool. Well, congratulations. Once Thank again, you. 27 hours and six seconds. I think it was 8.7 seconds. Oh. Six. I like That's why you're a good okay. friend of mine. You round down for me. <laughs> I, I, I presume the, being over under 27 hours didn't bother you one way or the other. <laughs> no, no, no. I would like to be in under 27 hours, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't even know really what the time was. I was coming into the finish. Right, right. Well, I had a little sprint finish down the final <laughs> final 100 yards. Um, so, uh, but And still in the but, top, I think, where were we, 35th, 34th? 30, 32nd. 32nd. Yeah. I mean, still a very solid finish. Yeah. Um, and they had 147 finishers, 341 starters. So, you know, it was a tough year. I mean, it's yeah. a tough race. It's. I mean, um, the finish rates at that race are... 
very low. <laughs> like, yeah, just, when I looked at the pictures and I spoke to Brian and other people that I'd, had done it, I thought it was all running through the fields, you know, like, you know, picking wildflowers. Right, flowers. wildflowers, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I really thought it was like hanging out in the Swiss Alps, gathering flowers, talking to the butterflies. No, it was <laughs> grafting through the mud, you know, a few tears, you know, on I mean, some of the climbs. It's um, hard rock light from from what people say. Yeah. It's it's basically the the next best thing, more or less. Yeah. I figured it would be hard, and it was harder than I, I thought. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did think the butterflies and flowers would get me through. Congratulations. I, you got your hard rock qualifier again for another yep. two years now. Yeah. So Happy about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, two more unsuccessful years in the lottery to look forward to. Yeah, so brilliant. That's, yeah, that's and then get stuff. to thrash myself on another mountain <laughs> that's course. That's right. That's right. Chasing the dream. Chasing the dream. Yeah. That was the big thing on our end that's been going on recently what we wanted to talk about tonight other than that was mostly the we wanted to preview what we think might happen or things that we're going to be watching for this weekend at at western states we last talked to kind of just do our our monthly trail recap a couple of weeks ago so there hasn't been too much going on. oh thank you very much hasn't been too much going on in the interim in terms of other races but a couple of things to mention i guess before we get into the meat of the of the episode the biggest story, obviously, at least for me, is is got to be Comrades, which is just one of the big races of the year, obviously, and one of the big events on the calendar. Some good U.S. performances. Unfortunately, as we touched on last time, Camille had to bow out with a quad strain. The defending champ, first U.S. woman to win that race since Anne Trayson, I believe. So it was unfortunate that she was not there to defend her title. But Devin Yanko and Sarah Bard, who were both in the top 10 last year, again, both in the top 10 this year, 7th and 8th, respectively. And Jeff Burns, who had been up in the top 10 most of the day, held on to finish strong in 12th. Uh, some good U.S. showings. I mean, it's been over, I feel like, the last few years with Sage going there and Max and Ian Sharman. And then, obviously, with Camille's success and Ellie's success uh, winning there a few years ago. I, th- I feel like this race is kind of back on the radar, maybe more so than it was six or eight years ago. And we're start- starting to see some sustained and repeated success from some of the elites who are going over there, which is really fun to see. Yeah, it's uh, some definitely good performances from uh, Devon and Sarah. They were only a couple of minutes apart. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's really on the radar. I mean, it actually kind of has a nice little buzz to it now as well. You know, it's kind of like Comrades is coming up. It's, it's an right. exciting thing to look forward to, you know, especially having a you know an American winner last year. Yeah. I mean obviously over there in South Africa itself it's basically Huge. like the Super Bowl, yeah. but for for US audiences it may not have been quite as well known as it is now. Uh, so that's good to see. What else? Broken Arrow was last week as the Ultra World started to gather in uh, Northern California in preparation for this weekend. Some as usual some strong fields uh, across the three distances, the Vertical K, Max King coming in setting the course record there. Uh, I'm sorry, not the vertical K, in the 26K. The vertical K... He missed that, I think. Yeah, his car he, broke that's, down. that's right, he did. Uh, what was interesting that I saw a couple of, of just performances to pick out from there, Hillary Allen coming back from injury uh, after a, a bad fall in a European mountain race last year, came back and doubled in the vertical K for second, and then in the sky race, the 52K for sixth. So great to see her back. Yeah, good, very solid. And uh, another one that just kind of jumped out, Francois Dehaene, fifth in the vertical K. I saw that. I thought that was pretty cool. That's a that's a fun little... Just showing his climbing legs. Yeah, pre, fun uh, little prep. You know, it's, it seems like he's ready states. to go. We'll get into we'll get into his chances or what we think of them in just a few minutes. Anything else striking in the last couple of weeks? Um, I think uh, Dipsy was uh, was good to yeah, see. Yeah, that was fun to watch. That's always... Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I mean it's fun. 
Have you ever seen, there's a movie called, oh, now I'm, I'm going to totally forget what it's called. It's the, there's a, a movie with Bruce, Bruce Dern from like the 70s where it's, he plays like a disgraced runner who's kind of coming back to restore his good name. But it's based on, on Dipsy. They, they call it the Cielo to Sea or something like right. that. But it's, it's the same thing, like a handicap race. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a great little, st- but it's always fun to follow like, Oh, who's got the? Who's got how much of a head start, yeah. and what's oh, it, it going to be? It makes it really exciting. Yeah, it's I, very, I, very. I, like, cool. I love the format; it's great. And and obviously, those trails out there are stunning. I mean, uh, they're really nice trails. Alex Varner a couple of years ago setting the course record on the Quad Dipsy, which takes place in the fall, right, uh, right around Thanksgiving time. But I don't know that he's ever won. Excuse me, Dipsy outright before, which I think he did this year. I know he's had the fastest time there several times, but um, oh, was he second? I, I think he was second. You can say it. That's yeah, okay. I, think, I think he was second. Oh, I thought he won. No, I oh. think he oh, well. was like 12 seconds off winning oh, or gosh. something. He's come second quite a few times. He had the fastest time again, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he had the fastest time, yeah. Yeah, the handicap is I think tricky. he was second on the handicap. Oh. Well, it's cruel, right? It but, is I cruel. mean, it's exciting for it's, a spectator. It is. It's awesome. Brilliant. It's got to like, be fantastic. I, that, it's, that's, it's cruel. I mean, that's that's one that truly probably should be on the bucket list for sure. Mount Washington was last weekend. Yeah, that looked cool. Sage and coming back, Sage, top three. Yeah. Andy Wacker. Good good to see him back on the trails as well, you know? I mean, well, that's just, a road, but uh, yes, but not doing road marathons or anything yes, like that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah Andy Wacker is going to be at the long distance mountain running uh, world championships that's next great. week. He was fourth at, at Mount Washington. That was fun to see. Patrick Karen talking about Northeastern studs. Do you know Patrick at all? I do not know him. No. Nope. Patrick's like 20 or 21. Right. He, he ran. I want to say like 1350 at Ghost Train last year. Like he's a he's a wow. stud. That's fine. Uh, and just tears it up around the Northeast. But he's he's reached out. He's kind of branched out and started running some European stuff recently. Nice. And he was fourth at Zugspitz in Germany, mm-hmm. which is 100K on um, some pretty burly terrain and against a pretty good field. So it's going to be interesting to see what that guy's going to do. Just just a beast by all all accounts. Uh, it's good to see him branching out and doing some some fun stuff there. And uh, Leadville Marathon was last week, which is one of the qualifiers to get into the Leadville 100. A couple people punching their ticket there, including Chris Mako, who won. Timmy Parr, second there. He's won that race before. Both earning qualifiers, whether or not they're going to be at, at Leadville. Let's, for my sake, hope that they're going to pass. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they <laughs> should, if, they, if they know you're going, they should pass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you overtake them, it's not going to look nice, <laughs> They're right? terrified, I'm sure. They're, I'm sure they're already terrified. Okay. Can have them as your personal lube assistant. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. Let's spend the next fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or so talking about states because that's what we. Oh, is states coming up soon? I, I hear that states is coming up soon. Isn't it next weekend? <laughs> before, before we do that, it is one of three big races this week, this coming weekend. As we said, the long distance mountain running championships, world championships, twenty two miles, seven thousand feet of climbing. That'll be a, a fun thing to watch. Ultra Trail Lavaredo in Italy, which has yeah, turned into just good. a barn burner the last few years. Yep. Hayden Hawks, yeah. Tim Tollefson going to be over there. Really interested to see what Tim does. It, mm-hmm. it seems like he's kind of just builds his whole season around UTMB now, and it seems yeah. to be working. Yeah. And I think we'll get a, a nice indication of, as to those guys and their uh, their current fitness building into the summer. Claire Gallagher, Keely Henninger, Darcy Pisu on the women's side, uh, yep. going to be really exciting there, at, along with, of course, all the usual Europeans that were yeah, that, not that looks like a very very good race. Yeah, so unfortunate that it has to share kind of the spotlight with states yeah. because 
you know, that that's one that probably could get more notoriety uh, on this side of the pond if, if it didn't have that same weekend. But uh, we'll keep a at least half an eye on that while we're kind of following all the action in squad this weekend. So you're going to be following from afar. I'm going to be over there with our good friend, Brian, who is yeah. uh, already out there and is really, I have to say, pretty fired up and yeah. I think is ready to go. It's going to be hot. Yep. It's going to be, I think, I mean, they're saying it's going to be one of the hottest. They're going to say it's going to, it, it's going to be over 100 degrees, I think, right? That's, the, that's what the forecast looks like. Now, I mean, I feel, honestly, I feel like they say this every year. And I feel like every year it hits 100 degrees in the canyons. That, that's, yeah. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm sure it's not, actually. Well, you're just going to have to take a thermometer out there and show us. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, fortunately, I'm not going to have to do anything in the canyons other than sit there and drink and, right. and uh, you know, splash water on Brian. I know he's been in the, in the sauna building up some heat tolerance. Yeah. And I, made I, a lot I, of good friends in there, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun to be out there and just watch everything firsthand. This will be my third time going out there and just watching these guys, you know, get after it is, it, oh, it's yeah. like nothing I've ever seen. It's so exciting. Especially with some of the names out there this year. I know. It's going to be so, very exciting stuff. Let's, let's talk about some of those names. Let's start with the women so we don't give them short shrift, which I feel like we tend to do sometimes. Let's talk about some of the big names. Before we actually even get into the field, we have to mention some, some, big some missing names. I yeah, think, right? unfortunately. Yeah, that's 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 a real shame. There are some very very good names missing. Both of the top two from last year will not be there. Magda, I think Magda actually just declined her spot. I don't right. I don't know that she ever even uh, registered. But Cap Bradley, the defending champion, who really just blew everybody away last year, and I yep. think a lot of people were looking forward to seeing what she was yeah, going to do this year had to pull out unfortunately yep that's that's a real shame i mean it, if, if she had been there and camille heron you know that would have just topped out the the, the kind of quality level there i mean it's, it's great quality as it is obviously some fantastic names but those two missing that's it's a real shame yeah so camille unfortunately as we mentioned before had to pull out of comrades with the quad strain and then you know it sounded from her initial social media posts that she was still hopeful to get to the starting line at States and uh, just announced this week that she's not going to be there. It is. It, it's too bad because she obviously was, I mean, these two weeks seem like they were going to be the, the focus of her year. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But it's going to, I think, the fact that Camille won't be there and, you know, won't be kind of driving the pace as we would have otherwise expected is going to open up some interesting other kind of tactical scenarios. And before we get into that, just one last thing, Jackie Merritt just announced that she won't be in either. But for better news, Jackie is pregnant. They're, they're expecting, and, and she had a very funny post that uh, Laura forwarded me um, where she said, I, th I thought something was off with my training. I just didn't really have a lot of pep. And yeah. uh, lo and behold, she said, I'm, I'm running for two. So um, awesome. yeah, congratulations to Jackie. Yeah. Sorry to miss you there. And she was going to be my dark horse pick for the second straight year. So right. uh, I'll have to come up with somebody uh, new. Um, yeah. But so as I was saying, I think last year, Camille did pretty much what everybody expected Camille to do, which was blast off the front coming off of that outstanding win at Comrades, cresting the top of the escarpment well out yep. in front of the rest of the women's field and basically kind of decimated the field and then dropped out. And not that we all expected her to drop out, but you know, it really kind of threw the whole race into chaos. And, and yep. I think not having that potential this year is going to make the strategic uh, side of the race a little bit more interesting. Yeah, 
yeah, people are going to probably run a little bit more conservatively. You know, they're not going to be worried about someone who's blasted off ahead. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be probably making moves later in the race. I would say from people, right? Um, so yeah, should make it should make it kind of interesting. I, I would expect there to be you know a, a bit of a group kind of running along for a bit, um, and then someone to you know make some moves. Some people have a bit of a low, uh, you know, drop back a little bit. So yeah, should should make some interesting racing. Okay, so. We're not going to get into like a, you know, detailed top 10 or anything like that, because I think that we could really get caught in the weeds there. But give me a couple names that you're looking at who you think are going to be your your top contenders for the podium. I mean, Courtney, I'll get that out of the way nice and early. I, I think she's going to be, I mean, I you think know, without Camille, fantastic. she's got to be the, she's got to be considered the favorite. Yeah, very. Yeah, I, I would definitely say the favorite. Uh, going to be really exciting to, to see her go there um, and, you know, hopefully have a great race. Um, and I think I think she'll do very well. I mean, also Amanda Basham was so good at U Rock. I'm I'm kind of excited to see how she does. I think she could certainly be you know top three. Yeah, you know, I mean, she she could possibly win it. I don't, you know I don't know, but like I think she's going to be right up there. Amanda's a name that I had highlighted among what I think people are considering kind of the second tier of people they're expecting that I think might be a real contender to win. Second to Courtney at Tarawera, I think, earlier this year. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. And then just really unbelievably dominant performance at UROC. And, yeah. and you looks know, super comfortable there running, you know, really, really in control, having a great time. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully she's carrying that form over. I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's been smart. And uh, I, yeah, I think, I mean, certainly I think, you know, top three for her, I think. Yeah, a former top 10 finisher, I think fourth in 2016. I think she really could be. Maybe not a surprise winner, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people have her picked at the very top, and I think she's yeah. going to be a real factor. I think so. What do well. we think about Casey's chances? Um, I certainly top 10. Um, I don't know. I mean, she's kind of been making a bit of a comeback. I don't think she's had, you know, the best kind of build up. Um, but I think, I, I certainly think she'll be in, you know, the five to 10 area. Mm-hmm. I think she'll, she'll do well. She's obviously a smart racer. She's won it before. Yep. So you know, hard to say what could happen, but I think, I think kind of five to 10 area be. Yeah. It's interesting that she, kind of right. I think a lot of people kind of are, are picking her in that range and, you know, obviously as a former winner, just, just two short years ago and with two top five finishes before that, I think, you know, I think, I think she's a little bit lower down on everyone's radar than maybe she should be. But, she, yeah. you know, she struggled last year at States with, uh, she, and I know she had some personal uh, stresses with the health of some family members. And then she had a similar situation where she struggled at UTMB, I think, or CCC, wherever, whichever race she ran over there. And then she had some injury issues. And I, I, it seems like she's just now rounding back into shape. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see, but I, I don't, uh, it's just hard to know. I mean, I think if, if she's fit and she's ready to go, then it's hard to bet against her. She's got as good a shot as anybody. I just, I don't think anyone really knows what kind of fitness she's in. Yeah. Um, Or or what kind of day she's going to have. I mean, you you just go and have, you know, not necessarily be in the best shape you could be in, but just mm -hmm. have a good day. You know, things fall into place for you and... Right. I mean, much like, much like Kat did last year. I mean, she ran a very smart race. She ran within herself. She waited for, you know, a lot of the carnage to happen up front. She took advantage and, and right. Maybe a smart racer like Casey, an experienced racer who's been on this course many times. Maybe she, you know, draws down that experience. Exactly. Exactly. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. Give me one or two names of maybe folks who 
a little bit less well-known, but you're looking for or expecting kind of to make some noise? Yeah, um, Nicole Calgaropoulos. Well done. I feel I've said that correctly. (laughs) Well done. Um, You know, she was based in Texas, Mm -hmm. and she won um, Bandera two years ago, I think. Is that right? Three years ago. Three years ago. No, no, you're right. Two years ago, I think. Three years ago, I was there. Yeah. And she's moved out to, I think, Arizona, Flagstaff. Yep. And I think she's running extremely well out there and, you know, a little bit under the radar. I mean, obviously a good runner. She's she's put in some fantastic results. But uh, I feel she could do well this year. I think the training in Arizona has probably been good. Probably, you know, pretty hot, deserty kind of training conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm hopefully she'll do well. I mm-hmm. think that'll be that'll be good. I think I think she has a potential. Two-time top 10 finisher, and until Camille's world record last year was the, I think, the U.S. trail record holder for 100 miles at Rocky Raccoon, if I'm not mistaken. You know your facts. I, I don't know. I can at least make them up. Yeah. And, you, know, you got me fooled. <laughs> I was going to say. Who, I'm just nodding my head here. Who's, who's beer and nodding me, my head. Who's going to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Another one uh, that I think people have been noticing recently, Els McDonald, who you know, I think we spoke about on our first episode where we were recapping the Golden Ticket series. Yep. The the outright win at Black Canyon opened a lot of eyes or turned a lot of heads yep. or whatever kind of expression you want to use. And she's, you know, she's got some experience at 100 miles as well. Uh, yeah. She might be a factor. Yeah. Yep. She she could do, do well. It was a good win at Black Canyon. It was a fast time from what I remember. She was running extremely well there. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a contender. Mm-hmm. Give me a dark horse pick. Give me a pick that a little bit off, maybe a little bit off the board for the top five to ten. Top five to ten. Um, I think. Well, I mean, someone that we haven't really seen a ton in, a ton of running from, or you know, results recently. Eliza mm-hmm. Pierre. Um, you know, I think yep. she she could have a good result there, and she has had good results there in the past. But I think she's she's someone to look out for. Showed her form earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, at a couple of big East Coast races, and I mean, she's got she's kind of got that same buildup that she's had in previous years, where she's uh, been in the top ten before. A little bit under the radar, but kind of some dominating wins in some some you know medium sized races, and yeah. I'm very interested to see. Uh, yeah. It's going to be really it'll be just fun to see her again. I, yeah. I haven't seen her for a couple of years. I think the last time I saw was at the pizza race, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that race brings some stars. Always, always. I had her on there. Uh, Corinne Malcolm, not maybe not a dark horse, but yeah. also maybe a little bit beneath the radar. But uh, the winner of Canyons yeah. earlier this year, showing she her could form. Have a good day out there. She's on my list. Yep, yep. yep. And I, I just I love I love people at this race with with track backgrounds with with real you yeah. know speed bona fides. It's a fast. It's a runner's yeah. race. It is. It's you know it's in the mountains, but it's not a mountain race. And yeah. and people who you know, had success at the collegiate level and, you know, were solid 5K and 10K runners and now yeah. have shown their experience at 100 miles. I, I love people like that. I, I really think, I, I, I think she's a real contender for the podium, if not the win. Yeah. I think as well, like you say, fast runners, if they can go out there and just, you know, be smart, manage the heat, uh, manage the nutrition, manage mm-hmm. the hydration, then, you know, anything can happen, especially when they just have the, the leg turnover, the speed, you know, and you start running downhill, and they got good leg speed, then uh, you know they're, they're going to be right up there. Let's do the men. All right. I think. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to say that, as as it has been the past few years, this is. Excuse me. This is probably Jim's race to lose. Yeah, uh, wasn't it last year as well? 
Yeah, and, and probably the year, before. the year before. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. allow me He's to be allow He's... me to be the eight hundredth person to say that the only person who can beat Jim is Jim. Yeah. Now, yeah. did you? Follow some of the brouhaha that went online last week. I did not. I saw something. I mean, I kind of tried to look at Twitter, and there looked like there was some little something going on, uh, but I didn't quite uh, get into it. So I run far. Megan Hicks on I run far posted yep. a really comprehensive and very very thorough and in depth preview, very well reasoned and and well researched of the the men, both men's and women's races. And you know, she basically said. In her little write-up of Jim, it, it was al- almost basically begging or pleading with Jim to basically, she was like, put your head down, just run within, not even within yourself, just run like with the lead pack for 80 miles and yeah. then blow everybody away because that's what we want to see. Which, yeah. And all of a sudden it blew up like, who are you to tell Jim how to race, blah, 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 blah. And first of all, and as as many people... And and it got very ugly and personal. I I, I want to say, which was a, a little gross. But sort of internet heroes, out yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, you know, I left the let's run message boards a long time ago. But you know, first of all, who is Megan? To Megan is a, a former winner of Marathon de Saab and a yep. finisher of Nolan's fourteen. Yep. Megan can say whatever the hell she wants, and but, she's a very very knowledgeable about the world of right. ultra running, extremely that, knowledgeable. And that's that's what I wanted to say was many people pointed out that you know Megan was more accomplished than ninety nine percent of the ultra runners Absolutely. in the world. Yeah, but you know Megan doesn't need, and nobody needs those kind of credentials to be able to say as a fan of the sport what they would like to see happen. Yeah. I mean. It's just an opinion. By I the can't way. hit a jump shot, but I'm, you know, I know exactly what LeBron should do next, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know, yeah. as, as does everybody on ESPN. I mean, this is this is a sport with fans such as yep. you and I, and yeah. fans of this podcast. All six of you out there, you know, we're allowed to <laughs> have our opinions. Now, but anyway. <laughs> we're allowed to have our opinions. We're allowed to, you know, express our desires or what we, you know, yes, no, none of us will ever be as fast as Jim is, but that doesn't mean we can't shout from the rooftops what we want to see happen yeah. that's what being fans of the sport is uh, i'd say nine out of ten people to agree with her as well you know yeah. as a race strategy that's a good strategy for him right yes and 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 right <laughs> i mean that's also part of it i i've felt the same way for the last year like I, i'd we love to, to see him win i'd love to we see him really win. want to see him win. <laughs> i really want to see him win and it does seem that if he was with the leader at the river He'd be unbeatable, he, basically. He would have the yeah the best top I mean, end speed right. out. Of nobody, there, nobody's probably. closing with him. Now, will he do it? Who knows? Yeah. And and far be it from us to you know say that you know he's wrong for doing it whatever way he wants to do it. But I, I don't think that anyone should feel like they can't express an opinion or or no, you not know, at all. especially I mean, a very valid opinion. Sure. You sure. know, she's an experienced ultra runner and knowledgeable about ultra running training. Right. Um, and yeah. I'm okay. So the only person who can beat Jim is Jim, but yeah. who else could beat Jim? Well, maybe Jared Hazen. Yeah. That's possible. I mean, who knows what kind of day he has? I mean, they train together. They know They know about each other. Um, he, he definitely has a chance, I think. Former third place finisher there. Yeah. Uh, second. When he was 19 or something? Was 20 19. Or? Second at, at Sonoma to Jim earlier this year. Yeah. As you said, they, they know each other well. They train together. 
and right 100 miles though just different race i mean 50 miles is very sure not easy to get it dialed in but like it's much more manageable it's much less that can go wrong but he's somebody but he's somebody for even for all his youth who has the experience at at 100 miles and at this race in particular and i think he does have a real shot Tim Frerichs, another member of that training posse. Yeah, I think he has a good chance as well. I think if smart, I was going to pick somebody guy. other than Jim, that's who I would pick. Yeah. Now, the question that I, I have, and I think a lot of people have, is for the this group, the Cocasino Cowboys, who we just talked about, the three of them, and then the other two being uh, Cody Reed and Eric Sensman, yeah. very publicly express their desire to all run this race together and, and fulfill that desire by all earning their way in through various golden yep. ticket races and et cetera. I think a lot of us have the, or are wondering, are they, what are, how are they going to manage this now that they're all there on the starting line together? Do they have a plan? Are they going to set this up for one or the other of them? Are they just going to all decide to kind of hang together until forest Hill and then see what happens? Or is it every man for himself Jim is off the front and we'll see what happens for the rest of them. And I think whether or not they have a plan and whether or not that plan is executed is really going to determine how pretty much the entire top 10 shakes out for everybody else. Yeah, I think they'll run as a group for a bit. Do you I really? Mean, they are a group. I think, I, I mean, they're not going to run together for the, you know, the whole race. They're going to race each other. But I wouldn't be surprised if they took it out as a bit of a group for the first 30 to 40 miles. And then, you know, the field starts to stretch. If I had to guess, I would say the you opposite. Think I, think it's, the I think it's every man for himself. All right. Well, I'm going to start writing nasty things about you on the internet because <laughs> your opinions did wrong. <laughs> I'll be on I Run Far tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think they've trained as a group. I think they have obviously talked some kind of strategy. I mean, it's hard not to, right? I mean, we sure. run and we, we talk about how we're going to race. Not sure. That, you know, we're necessarily the level of runners these guys are but like you know we we say oh you know how are you going to approach this race um and i wouldn't be surprised if if it worked in all of their favors to run as a group for 40 miles mm-hmm. and then there's still 60 miles of tough running to do i sure. mean you know so much can happen at that point i think it would be i think it'd be brilliant if they all ran together particularly I mean, for jim as we said i think yeah i, I think if they start racing great. each other from the gun i think they'll probably be detrimental to all of them well that's what i'm saying i I mean depending on what they're planning and and whether or not they execute it and to what degree i think that's going to have ramifications for all of them and then for everybody else and 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 a lot of it's going to be how does everybody else react to what they do i think a because they're so vocal about it but also because there's so much talent and so much experience there jim is going to determine what happens for a lot of people and a lot of people a lot of people are going to either run great races or terrible races based on how they respond to what Jim does. Yeah. I I think it will put more fear into people if he's running controlled for 40 miles with, with you know, right. with his group. If he goes off the front, I think that will relax a lot of people. Well, He's we proven talked- three times that's not the best strategy. Well, at least once. I mean, it's hard to fault him the first year for going off course. Um, True, yeah. I mean, still on True. course record pace. Yeah. I, I, if he hadn't gotten lost, by all accounts, he was winning that race. So. Yeah, uh, but But we talked about it last year after what happened last year where I feel like by announcing his intentions to blast off the front and chase 14-hour pace, he made it very, very easy for everybody else to decide exactly what they wanted to do going in. Like, you knew exactly yep. what he was going to do and as, as, I mean... Whether or not he, you know, you maybe you thought it was a ploy in the lead up to the race. 
it was very apparent from the time you got to the top of the escarpment that it was not a ploy and that was his plan. Yeah. And it made it very easy to formulate how you were going to react to that. You had plenty of time to think about how am I going to respond if and when he goes off the front. And the guys who did it conservatively, who basically said, look, I can't control what he does. And if he runs 14 hours, God bless him, he'll win. And if yeah. not, then I'll be in position if I run this way. Yep. And you saw guys like Ryan Sandys, obviously, yep. and Mark Hammond, who I'm going to pat myself on the back for picking in the top 10 last year, and Ian and Jeff Browning, of course. Yep. You know, he, again, he made it very easy for them. I think he's playing his cards a little closer to his vest this time. I think, you know, having all those teammates or, or training buddies there does throw it into question a little bit as to how exactly it'll play out. And I think that's to his advantage that everyone else can't just key off of him or knowing exactly what he's going to do beforehand. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going with the, I think they're going to do the group, the group thing for a bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, certainly going to, uh, be, I think a, a battle between Jim and Jared at some point, cause there's going to, you know, mm-hmm. the cowboy is going to have to go rogue at some point, you know, <laughs> All right, give me uh, maybe a couple other names that maybe, again, uh, maybe a little below the radar or some other names that maybe aren't getting quite the play that the Cowboys are for the top 10. Well, I, I, I mean, not really under the radar, but Francois Dehaene, I mean, is going there. I know that's Okay, I'm glad of, you brought that name up. I, I'd like to talk about him because I think he's going to do okay there, but I just don't see this as his his kind of strong racing style. I mean, the guy is this like is exactly what I want to alpine say. mountain animal he may you know, be the best mountain runner in the world, mountain 100-miler in the world, certainly. not named Killian Jornet. Yes. Right? Yeah. Between him and Killian, I mean, it's hard to find anyone better than those two. Sure. This is not a mountain race. No. This is a race that has a couple of mountain-ish type things and is really a race for track runners. Yep. And you look at the way that this race has gone the last several years with Jim and with Rob Carr before him. And Tim Olsen, I mean, these are fast, fast guys, right? Yeah. And I, I just, look, Francois, the dude is an all-timer. I don't know if this is his course. No, I, I don't think so. But you know what? Certainly he'll be in the top 10. You know, he's... Uh, Maybe. He's he's a good racer. Super smart. I mean, he, he's, he's smart. been out there for a while. He's smart. He's not going to F California. it up. Yes, um, but he's raced here twice before and has no top tens at this point. I think, unless yeah. I'm mistaken, which I certainly uh, I could be. So, yeah. Two beers in, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and no, I'm I'm excited to see him out there, and uh, I think I think he's going to go there and have fun as well because he knows it's not his particular type of racing. Oh, so maybe he'll go there a little more relaxed. Time and you know, see what happens. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that just relies on people making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think he'll make a mistake. I think he's with the kind of racing he does. He's certainly a very, very tough dude. Mm-hmm. I mean that that mountain racing is is burly shit. You know, mm-hmm. I can tell you about it. Um, in from the old guys department, Jeff Browning, Ian Sharman back again. I think you'd have to be an idiot to bet against either of yeah. them in the top ten. No question, top ten, right? I mean, I mean, it's almost guaranteed at yeah. this point, right? The yep. two smartest guys in the field, maybe. Yep, absolutely. Two, two of the most experienced, if not the most experienced, guys in the field. Yep. Neither of them are going to win. I, I, I don't think either of them are going to be any worse than say eighth, yep. right? I mean, there's I, just no way. I, I think yeah, it's seventh, eighth kind of thing. Um, I think this is uh, Ian Sharman's eighth states. I think. I think he's got eight straight top tens already. I think I already was oh, going so for his ninth nine, yeah? straight wow. top ten. Yeah. That's that's amazing. It's that just really unbelievable. Is amazing. 
Just, yeah, I mean, we're we're in like Zurich and and uh, you know that kind of territory. It's yeah. it's really insane. All right, give me give me a real dark horse. You have a real dark horse on there. Um, I mean, I I kind of wanted to mention a local lad going there. Okay, I don't know. I mean, this is maybe a super dark horse. Uh huh. But I feel if Brian's smart, I think he's around the top ten. If he's very smart, doesn't make any mistakes, a little carnage ahead of him. I, I I'd love to see him get in the top ten. It's Just, it's going to be really is, really fun. He has a chance. It's going to be really really fun. Ten is a tall order. I mean, yeah. ten, you look at the guys who are in the top ten. You're you're talking about basically the biggest names in the sport. And I mean, I look at my list of I have like twenty five names on here, right? And and you know these are again these are the, these are the biggest names in the sport. You how do you but. By the same token, if you go back and look at this guy's last couple of years, yeah, I mean, look I mean, at Hurt. I mean, Hurt. He, he's fourth you know, he at Hurt. He's second at Burning there. River. He's second to Carl Meltzer at Pinhody. Yeah. He's tied for the win at Bighorn. Fourth I, at Hurt. Yeah, I think I said that. Um, I mean, I don't think you did, but anyway. All right, whatever. I no mean, for you. look, he. <laughs> anyway, I'm just I, throwing it out. If he has a good day, I. I, I mean, that's the darkest think, of dark horses, but yeah. But it, it's going to be really I mean, really that's a fun. dark horse at nighttime in a dark cupboard. But uh, yeah, it's dark. <laughs> couple of couple of flat speed guys that we talk. We love we love talking about the splat, the flat speed guys at at states. Corey Waltering, who we've met the name we've mentioned on the podcast before, from the Midwest. A yeah. you know super super fast on you know flat tracks, fifty miles, hundred k. Has not put it all together at a hundred mile yet, but should be interesting to see. The other two cowboys who we didn't really mention, Cody Reed, Eric Sensiman, neither of them with really any 100-mile credentials. Yeah, I, I don't really see them. I see them kind of in the 10 to 15 area. I, I, I just I hate picking guys their first time at Western States. Yeah. Nobody gets it right their first time. I mean, I guess Carr, right? Carr was second yeah. his first time. I think they'll have a solid day, but I think 10 to 15 is it's, a it's little just, bit more likely. The field is so deep, and... It's just, you know, we've said it a million times. 100 miles is a different beast from 50 and 100K and everything else. Yeah. Have either run 100 before? I don't think either miles? of them have even attempted have. 100. Yeah. So, you know, to stand on to stand on the start line of your first 100 at, with that atmosphere in that field, it's just there's so much that can go wrong. And it's yeah. just so hard to... I mean, look, Killian didn't even get it right his first time yeah. at, at States. And, and he was already a, a multiple-time UTMB champion at that yeah. point. I just... I think it's too hard to debut there and Agreed. really run to yeah. your potential. Which is not to say those guys aren't great. And like you said, if if they're in the back half of the top ten or, or ten to fifteen, that's pretty much where I'd expect them. And I think that would be great. But you know, they're both uh, incredibly talented guys who you might expect on a different course for their first hundred would be, you know, and or or if they came back in a couple of years with a couple hundreds under their belt might be yeah. contenders for the win. I, I just, I, it's hard well, to it see it the first year. A little bit of a learning process from this time, you know, like you just got to pay a little bit of your dues to the hundred mile distance and, and exactly. the state's course, you know? Exactly. But uh, I think there'll be, there'll be solid performances, but I, I think, you know, top 10 will be, will be a very, you know, a bit of a, a stretch for them. Anything else you're looking out for or any storylines you're following? We talked about the the Coconina Cowboys, and I think, like I said, I think how, how they kind of devise their plan and execute their plan is really going to determine the race. And we talked a little about Francois, which I, I'm glad we touched on. Anything else you wanted to kind of hit? Yeah, just like notable absence, Andrew Miller. 
Um, yeah, we didn't mention him. You know, that's a real shame. I mean, Georgia Death Race, he he absolutely crushed there. And then he, he won 100, another 100K after that, didn't he? I don't know. I mean, well, he crushed at Georgia Death Race anyway. And, and, and the winner from two years ago. Him. Yeah. The winner from two years ago, as we said on our last episode, I think struggled a lot with injuries last year, but came into the race two years ago as a relative unknown yep. off of a golden ticket at, at the GDR and was, you know, right place, right time when Jim went off course. And yeah. seeing his form coming out of Georgia, I, I think many people would have picked him to be a real podium contender. And that, that was disappointing to see him. Out. Yeah, that's a real shame. I mean, I, I guess that's my sort of notable absence from the men's side. Mm hmm. Um, would really like to have seen him. I think he could have put a bit of pressure on people, mixed it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not sure what the issue was with him, but we do wish him a quick recovery if it's an injury or anything like that. Hopefully he's back on the trail soon. Mario Mendoza, I mean, he's been running pretty well. Yeah, Should be I mean, also 100-mile debutante, I believe. Yeah. But top 10 at the World Trail Championships early this year, yep. the, the long-awaited win at Bandera after yeah. two near misses there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, another one of these guys with definitely the flat speed to do it. Yep. Definitely the trail cred. Uh, it's just, again, it's hard to pick somebody in their first time at, at this race and at 100 miles in general. It's just, it's hard to see it, you know, working out for these guys. Zach Bitter. That'll be yeah, interesting. That'll be interesting, yeah. It'll be exciting to see him there. Yeah, unquestioned, you know, dominance on the track and... Yeah. Um, like you said, track speed. Track I mean, speed, for sure. And, you know, a really a really experience. solid run at uh, Javelina last fall, second yeah. place to Patrick Regan in, in just over 13 hours, I think, just a really, yeah, really fast, fast time. But again, uh, has never really had the success here, so that'll be interesting to see. And and, and has been mostly quiet in the, in the last six months or so, so... The other thing I wanted to mention just before we go, uh, the speed goat, Carl Meltzer, oh, yeah. turned 50 this year. He's going for the record, right? He is going, from all accounts, going for the 1843 put up by Doug Latimer, I think about 20 years ago. I mean, right. that record's been out there forever. If not more, it might be closer to yeah. 30 years. I don't know. But I think uh, we spoke about me giving up work, taking a training program to try and break that when I turn 50, right? Well, you turn 50 next year or later this year, right? Yeah, a few weeks. So... I mean, assuming that we kind of finagle you in through the lottery, this this yeah. Carl Carl might not well, hold this record for very long. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give the guy a year with it, you know, and then and I'll come for him. I'm what do you use a pacer though? I mean, where do you put his chances coming off? He's had 300 mile wins in the last six months. I seven months. I think he's gonna. It's going to be hard for him. I just think really. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's surprising. I think he's going to do it easily. I I just think like. When you go to these races, you're trying to get these records. I, I think you put a bit of undue pressure on yourself. It I mean, is a lot of pressure. And it has stood for a while and have been it's some good runners. And yes. look, he is a very good runner. I just think when you go to these races with this pressure, I mean, I think he's got like, you know, a decent chance of doing it. But I think you do put a little pressure on yourself and you have a super hot year and it just, I don't know. I mean, it's going to yeah, be he's, hard. He's obviously the quality is 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 there for him to do it. I, I don't know. I'd be shocked if he didn't do it. I don't want to say yeah. that. Nothing would shock me. But I, I'm going to be following that very closely. It's going to be fun to see him chase that uh, firsthand because I, I really think he's got a real shot at that, and that, that will be exciting. And honestly, I don't want to jinx Brian, but we could be right around there too. I mean, he could be. we could be running near him for a lot of the yeah. day. So that, that could be a lot of fun. 
All right. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's it's really going to be great. I leave in a couple happy of days. Happy they say. Happy statesmas to everyone out there. I can't wait. Uh, if you're going to be, I'm going to post this, you know, whenever, tomorrow before I fly out. Uh, so if you're going to be in Squaw over, you know, the, the weekend or, or in the um, time leading up to the race, please drop me a, um, a message through the website. That website, again, of course, gunksrunner.com slash paincave. Uh, or just gunkstrunner.com. You can explore the the entire site there. Use the contact button. Send me a message. Let's meet up. Let's have a beer and squaw. I will be at God knows how many places on the course. I know I'm going to be at Duncan. I know I'm going to be at Dusty. I know I'm going to be at Michigan Bluff at Forest Hill. And then I'll be on course from 78 or 80 on, depending on where uh, I pick up Brian. And uh, yeah, let's 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 hook up. It'll be a lot of fun following all these great names. I, like I said, this is my third time out at States. My first time, I had no idea what ultra running was, and it really did just the atmosphere. And I was there for Jurek's last win, seeing the just the competitiveness and the community and everything else. That's kind of what made me into an ultra runner. And yeah. then I was there four years ago, and it was just it was unbelievable. It's the in this, I'm I'm sure there are races in Europe that are similar. I'm sure. You know, Chamonix in late August is very much the same way. But right. in this country, there's nothing like being in Squaw for two or three days before the race. And it, it's just, it's going to be so much fun. I really can't wait. It's it, like I said, the last time I was there, it's the only time where, you know, you see like a guy with long hair and a beard and you're like, oh, that guy looks like Anton, but it actually probably yes, is yeah. Anton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yes, please uh, hit us up if you're going to be out there. I, I'd be psyched to meet up with some people out there. And If you I, see a guy with short hair and a beard, it probably is Jay. That could be, <laughs> yes. It really could be me, uh, especially if I'm wearing a trucker cap, but like any good trail hipster. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Phil, thank you once again for joining us in the Pain Cave tonight. All right. Uh, until next time, for everybody else out there, keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm not dead Happy now just to spend some time with friends And have a roof above my head I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusty like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain but long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in my wonderment. And ride the bus, feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young. I was still young. And I was still.